Hello, everyone, and welcome to Homeschool Live here again on a Tuesday, if you're with us live, and we hope that you will make a comment and let us know that you're here. We love those thumbs ups and the likes, but we really, really do love your comments and questions because, yes, this is class time. And I'm stepping in the role of student here, but halfway through, um, we'll start reading some of the questions and comments and we'll get our wonderful master spiritual teacher here, GP Walsh, to um, give you some of personal insight on this. So today we are talking about, say it without smiling, uh, depression, but in a very interesting <laughs> way. And that's why I really wanted to talk about depression. GP, you know what? You, you'd you be surprised to think that most people think that I've never experienced sadness, but <laughs> I really, I have just like everybody else. And whether we experience sadness or depression or whichever way we're going to take this today, it could happen in a, for me, even a fleeing thought. It could be just, whoop, what was that? Oh, there. Okay. Wow. That was uncomfortable or sad or depressing, depressing, or it could be hours, days, whichever. So we all experience it differently. And that's why really GP, I wanted to talk about depression. And I always interchange that word in my mind. I never, I sh maybe I should honor it, but I only think of the world. I translate it to sadness. So if somebody says to me, I am depressed or have depression. I think, wow, you're really sad and makes my heart want to open up and say, why are, why are you sad? Because you don't really say to people, well, so why are you depressed? Why do you have depression? It, it sounds too big. So <laughs> you're like, well, I don't want to open up that can of worms. But a lot of people go through so many emotions and the word depression, if you could help break that down, wh why have we gone so far to take it from feeling sad, feeling uneasy, feeling uncomfortable, unsafe to depression? Because it's not the same. Um, the the sense of depression is really a sense of it is an energetic state of hopelessness that completely drains you of all your energy and it can be either it can be acute which is the case for most people but sometimes it's chronical and 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 that's what they call clinical depression where it becomes a chronic condition yeah. it, it, it we all have the experience when we're really, when all basically all the windows are are are, are shut and the doors are locked, we're, we're kind of you paint yourself into a corner. When you try stuff, it it just doesn't work. Um, and we've all been at those points in our life where absolutely nothing works. Right? And what can happen is a state of mind can emerge that. Now, first off, the, at some point, the nervous system simply starts to shut down because it's so painful to try and fail, try and fail, try and fail. It starts shutting down the process of even trying. That's depression. It's one thing to be sad about something that doesn't work out or disappointed, right? It's another thing when the energy, uh, the motivation, the juice of life begins to drain away to the point where nothing looks good anymore. Everything's kind of gray. Right, your whole your whole vision is becomes dulled, right? Because there's no energy left. Now that can happen early on in in childhood, to the degree that it becomes chronic, where it the nervous system simply assumes, 
whatever I do is going to fail. I'm not going to get what I want. I might not, I'm, I shouldn't try because every time I do, it's painful. It's, it's better to not try at all, to just sit in this, null, in this, in this numbed state than to try and endure the pain of failure. Because the assumption is I'm going to fail. It is not going to work. I am not going to get what I want. The universe is against me. These these are all ways in which we can express it in words, but the underlying the underlying energetic assumption is simply it's it's done. It's it is not even worth the effort. And of course, that means that even the tiniest little vision of something interesting is going to get shut down before it even starts. Right? Our natural human curiosity and and desire for freedom and growth, the energy is just completely drained out of it. So that is a different state. And we all experience it at different points in our life because, you know, you know, sometimes, you know, you're walking on water. It doesn't matter what you do. You think of it and it happens, right? And and other times, it doesn't matter how much effort you put into it. It simply, it, it nothing works. When it becomes a chronic depression, it means that the assumption that not, my life is never going to work is in so deeply that it has taken over the whole energy system and there's not even any energy to do anything at all. And it can become chronic to the point where people can't get out of bed. Um, they, they, they need treatment. They need, they need some help. Um, but my my current understanding of the way it's treated in the like it's basically treated with some 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 drugs to try to help kind of neutralize that and in some cases that may be necessary but like always the the at the root of it is childhood trauma that was such a clear and it made me think of you know all the people in my life who i know who who are experiencing whether it's chronic or like just that thought of, well, just the empathy and the compassion that I'm feeling right now for people who are, are in that state and who have mm -hmm. been because of what you just said there, which is that that childhood trauma. Um, when you, uh, my mother was ill all of my life. And there's one thing I, and I wrote about this and my mother used to always say, I'd say, mom, I've got this thing. Can we try it? You know, and we had tried many, many times and it, and nothing worked. And I wrote about her saying she always had one more try in her though if I if I brought her something and that's what it feels like we we need help you know at that point where we we, yeah. we just need somebody else to have that belief for us maybe well back. yes and and unfortunately we have we live in a culture that promotes it I mean, look around. The world is now suffering from a low-grade depression because everything we had hoped for, everything we dreamed about, this world we thought we could create has just gone up in ashes, mm. right? The, the, between the wealth gap, the, just I mean, just one thing after another now, nuclear war, climate crisis. Everywhere we look, where do we turn? And... and uh, Depression expresses itself sometimes in, in anger and rage. 
Mm, so yeah. you see people that are really angry and bitter and trolling and saying nasty, nasty things. And I get enough of those on you know my YouTube channel, those kinds of, of, of comments. They're not even civil, but you can feel the you can you can feel the frustration. I'm powerless. There's nothing I can do. Yeah. And that kind of anger is just a step above complete despair. Yeah. I, I'm going to bring vibration in there because when you said that, I, like I can feel it in the words, the, the understanding that we hold of each word. You're going to have a different understanding experience with a word than I would and, and everybody else mm -hmm. here. But when I do hear the word despair, it does, it it feels like whew, that is rock bottom if there could be one. Rock bottom. And, and that, and that, that, energy from it um do we i don't want to say, do we mirror an uh, a feeling an image of vibration or do we uh, um, go whoop that's where i am like do we not sync it's a horrible word do we match it or do we mirror it um i'm not really quite sure what you mean by that i mean it's just a, it is a it's an it is in fact a natural state that the nervous system will get into when every attempt at improvement is thwarted. It gives up oh. <laughs> because, and it's simply because the pain of trying and failing is greater than the, than the pain of simply not trying at all. And, and it, uh, it's always going to choose the less painful option. This is the way the nervous system works. There's, there's no way around it. If you just keep trying and, and, and you never get anywhere, you give up. Yes. And and if enough things in your life are thwarted, you kind of give up on living. Right. It's, okay, so gag, yeah, I'll polish up my question there more nice, understandably there. So if we've got to that point, maybe the body could die. It could manifest something and maybe create a disease and then eventually take it down. Um, but when we do step into nature and all of a sudden we're maybe we're at that point of despair and we look out the window and a little bird you know stops beside you and then all of a sudden you feel this life there's not it's not like the bird is telling you you're going to be better and here we go but there's something that is felt that yes. lifts changes us what what is that from, from our nervous system that's changing well you have to remember that the, the, the nervous system and our experience of life is not all there is to it. And, and the real nature of life is, is that it is totally benevolent. Um, it is always the, 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 the personal or finite sense of self that is thwarted. It is never the true self. And so the reality of your being, who you really are, remains inviolate the entire time. It, it, it's just that we have become so detached from that and so uh, deeply identified and, and mixed up with the false sense of self that, um, that we've taken that on as ourselves. But life is still communicating our value to us. It never stops. It's just in the depressed state of mind, you can't see it. But if that little bird just suddenly appears and, and looks at you and then flies off again, something may pierce that darkness. Now, our assumptions about that, the way we think, you know, all the all the ambitions that we have may jump right in to try to grab onto that little bit of energy, right, and squash it again, right? But then again, sometimes it may simply be that moment, there's just a little bit of opening that doesn't get shut down. Right? 
And we have to remember, we're not in this alone. <laughs> that all of the problems, all of our maladies, all of our difficulties, psychological, physical, and emotional, are all the result of conditioning and trauma and programming and all. They are not who you are. And who you are, because it is who you are, because it is the truth and cannot go away, it will eventually pierce through the cloud. <laughs> so this life, the next, the one after that, at some point, the next moment, it will pierce through that cloud because the cloud is temporary. The sun is not. Oh, that's helpful to see that, actually. I like that. Yes, the sun is, is always there and the clouds go. Always there. The clouds come and go. They may come for a while, you know. I, I mean, in winter in Seattle, you can go three months without seeing the sun. <laughs> it really but I never it doubt. There? I never doubt that it's there. <laughs> Beautiful. Yes. With that, um, there's something in the in the light letter. So if you guys hopefully have received that. It's beautiful. We, and you do too. I love the whale analogy. I'll have you bring that up. Actually. I want you to share about the whale analogy, but there, before that, and there's something about listening, no allowing oh, there resistance to the feeling, what you are feeling. Yes. We have resistance to the feelings of what we are feeling. So let's say we're having a not despair yet, uh, frustrated, angry, maybe you're having the angry feeling and but we have resistance to it. Like, I don't want to be angry or, wow, I, I stink because I was angry or like something we're really fighting it. But how do we, how do we stop resisting? How do we stop resistance against feeling the feelings that we don't want? <laughs> it, it's, it's training. And, you know, remember the, the opposite side of resisting is indulging. So the one who doesn't want, there's the, you know, I'm the spiritual guy, Om Namah Shiva. I can't, I don't want to feel anger. And then there's the guy that just goes into a rage, <clears throat> right? Neither one of those, none, neither one of those is effective at actually dealing with it because what underlies that kind of frustration or anger is a sense of powerlessness, right? That's the underlying, uh, the, the underlying energy behind it. And how, how do you, how, learning to allow is like learning to ride a bike. You practice it. It's that simple. You know, every, I, I don't know how, I, it's really hard to do. Well, yeah, look at a baby. It takes them a long time to even get the, get the spoon into their mouth. <laughs> right? right? <laughs> this um, setup here I have with the camera, sometimes it just for what, no, for no explicable reason, just kind of shuts off and turns back on again. So yeah. we'll have to deal with it because it's You're the back. best picture I can get. And anyway, it's something we, we've all been well-schooled in resistance. We know how to do that. We know how to get pissed off and we know how to resist. We don't know how to be present with our feelings. And so a feeling comes up and it immediately runs into our conditioning about how we're supposed to respond to that feeling. And it's either I'm going to suppress it because I, I can't allow it to come out. And if I do that enough, that's depression. Or I'm going to express it. I'm going to let everybody know about it. Right. In either case, it's conditioning. It's not conscious. There's no choice there. Right. So somebody who is simply reacting, thinking I'm doing this of my free will, you are not. <laughs> this is completely unconscious. You've been programmed to respond that way. 
the, the first step out of conditioning is to be present with the feeling um, and, 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 neither, and neither suppress it nor express it. You sit in this middle place, and it is the most uncomfortable place to be because the conditioning is so powerful, it's trying to force you into whatever behavior has been programmed in you to, you to deal with that feeling. And until we have some degree of an awakening, there's some consciousness there, our reaction will be automatic. That's why it's not conscious. But the moment you're, you, you're willing to just be with that, you'll begin to notice the impulse, right? Because every condition is, a, is an impulse to move, to do something, to fix something, to change it, right? Or it's an impulse to suppress it, right? Because I'm not allowed to feel it. If that feeling comes out, I'm going to get hurt. Because at one time you did. <laughs> it's not, a, you know, it doesn't make this stuff up, right? <laughs> and so when you're sitting there, if you're willing to sit there long enough, you will watch the entire, the entire show happen. You'll watch the entire show of conditioning happen right before your eyes. You'll be looking at it. And when you are there, you now have a choice. Prior to that, you have no choice. You are your conditioning. At that moment, you now can be present with it. And you'll notice that even the resistance is automatic. It's conditioned, conditioning. So now, but if you can see the, the, the resistance as, as a reactive pattern, that means you're already out of it. You're, you're, lo you're looking from another position. Now, in the body, it's still incredibly powerful. It's driving you to do this, right? Which is why it's difficult. This is why the practice of allowing is difficult, right? That's why I call it the yoga of allowing. It's a practice, right? The first time you get into some yoga posture, it's like, ah, you fall over whatever. It takes a while, right? You keep going back to that, you keep going back to that, you keep going back to that, and eventually the whole system begins to adapt to it. Until finally something comes up, there's the feeling of resistance, but there's not an immediate, there's not the immediate falling into the conditioning. And that falling into the conditioning is the unconscious. That's the, that is the false self. That's all there is to the false self, is conditioning that we've agreed with. <laughs> it's it's no we, great mystery. <laughs> when we agree with the conditioning, is that where the stories come from? Of course. All the stories are an explanation of the conditioning. They're all, a, they're all a creation of the sense of self based on the conditioning. Hmm. None of them are true. <laughs> okay, so this is a, okay. The conditioning I'm having... comes first. Conditioning comes first, then the story, and the story is an, always an explanation of why the conditioning is true. Right. Yes. <laughs> there was danger of you try to express yourself. You expressed yourself. It wasn't safe. A condition was created. The story is believed. Later. The story later. comes later. The conditioning is always energetic because at first we, we're not making a story. We can't even talk. Right. Right. It's just... <laughs> right. But over time, as we develop, because our world has been constrained by our conditioning. Right. And so within this world of our conditioning, the sense of identity gets formed. It's not formed based on the undifferentiated consciousness. It can be absolutely anything at any time. It forms based on the conditioning. And so the entire sense of self or the egoic mind is nothing other than 
a, a, um, a story about the conditioning to give it some kind of purpose, meaning, order, structure. Um, I mean, that's, that's, that's the nature of the storyteller of the storyteller mind. And it's totally unconscious. It also is automatic. It's also part of the nervous system. We have not bumped into the level where consciousness appears yet. Right. <laughs> okay. This, cause I'm using, I'm going to use a real life story because I, this is really making so much sense to me. Cause I, I got stuck on something I'm following. I'm, I'm, I'm now like reviewing something, an event, let's call it that happened. And my, my conditioning made, you know, I expressed because my conditioning said, wow, you don't like that. And so I, I, I get so, um, let's use the word triggered. You know, something triggers me when, when somebody says something about cats or animals or cows, it could be anything, it doesn't matter. And, and it seemed to happen quite a bit over my weekend. And I was, I was, I, I expressed, I was like, that's not very nice and blah, blah. But the thing is, is that I, I want to, I like what you're saying, what I'm hearing from you is that I don't have to always react and express doesn't mean I need to suppress it either. Like, oh, they didn't mean it. Or I don't need to be bothered by, Ooh, oh, here I am, kumbaya. But I, to, to be <laughs> just aware of it and present and, and, but you and I, I feel what you're saying. My resistance is coming up against that condition. Like, no, Lisa, you need to stand up for those cats. You need to tell that person they can't say things like that. But that, yeah, so that, this is a, you're exactly. right. Yeah, way to sell um, allowing there, GP. <laughs> it's hard. <laughs> it's, it's, it's not easy. It's, it's not. it's not easy simply because we have been, we have been trained to, to do otherwise. When I used to teach drums a long time ago, I, I got, a, I got many, many students who had been very badly taught. Their technique was just off. They were never going to be able to be as good as they wanted to be. Right. Oh. And, and some of them had gotten to a particular level of skill. I mean, I was this way before I actually started seri seriously studying. I mean, I, I did, and then I, I kind of learned by myself. And, and then at one point I got really serious and I went to a top-notch teacher. And, and the same thing happened when I, I taught students. I, I st had to unlearn stuff before I could learn it. And what happened was for the first several months, my playing got worse. And it was scary, right? And I had many students at that point, they quit. They just, they quit, they quit, they couldn't deal with it. I kept going and some of them did. Um, I, I kept going and eventually it bottomed out and started back up and I went way beyond where I could have gone before because I was doing it correctly now, right? And so in the beginning, this, this training and allowing is like that. It, it may feel very, very uncomfortable, <laughs> right? But the, here's the key to, to, to take heart. Allowing is your nature. It's, you, you don't, it's not really a skill you learn. The conditioning has been laid on top of it. Look at a child. They're, they don't put up any resistance to anything, right? Eventually, they learn to resist, right? And, and, and it, but but they're completely open. They're completely malleable. You pick them up, they just go, right? I mean, there's no, right? They, they don't have that sense, that, that sense yet. It hasn't been programmed into them. So our nature is allowing. Allowing is the nature of pure awareness. Allowing is the nature of being. Another name for it is love. <laughs> oh, allowing is love. 
is love. Allowing is simply unconditional love. You accept what's here on its own terms. There's no resistance in, in love. You don't expect it to be anything other than it is. You don't imp, you try to don't try to force it into any mold. You simply let it be what it is. Unconditional love. And all of our conditioning got created because we didn't get that as kids. <laughs> we got very conditional love. Yes. Yes. Oh, that's oh, wow. I'm thinking about the conditioning right now because, wow. And you know what's funny? Every time you say something with the word unconditional love, I do get to hear it differently than what I've been trained and conditioned to think that unconditional love is. And that, <laughs> that's even a tough one to wrap your mind around. Um, yesterday, I found a, a, this fun thing doing some hip exercises and everything. And it said, oh, this um, seven day um, challenge for Asian squats. And I thought, well, what's that? Because he didn't look like he was doing a regular <laughs> squat. He looked like he was really like back in the day, like you're squatting on the ground, squatting, not squatting like what we do in workout yes. in the gym. And I was fascinated because he began to show us how we have to start like a baby first learns how to turn, roll over and then to squat and then to hinge and then to stand up. And I thought, oh my gosh, yeah. like as like what you were saying, we could, if we were doing squat squats, like we, you know, modern day squats, um, <laughs> then we might, we would, we'll hit a ceiling, we'll hit a level, but until we go back and do it like we did as a baby and un unlearn that and relearn it from, from the, from the ground up, literally <laughs> in that sense. Literally. Yes. Yeah. What, what is the most natural? I mean, this is the, the real, the, the, the real, um, wisdom behind a lot of, cer of certain kind of exercise. What is the natural way the body moves? Right? What is the natural way in which it functions? We've been, all been forced into ways that have been uh, imposed right, by so-called experts. Right? It should be like this. Well, it shouldn't be like this. It should be the way it's, it is. Right, <laughs> but that's the nature of the the mind. It wants to control things instead of just instead of learn from those things. I mean, the apple that gives you its 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 fruit—that's unconditional love. It just puts it out there. Yeah. <laughs> you know, the sun shines on uh, you know on a dog pile as 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 much as a mountain. It doesn't care. <laughs> <laughs> and with that so i'm just okay so when i hear the word depression i'm going to go back to this one um depression you know it's like you we might recognize or think be thinking at that moment yeah i'm not worthy to have the sunshine on me i am the dog pile right i want to be the mountain or or i will never be the mountain and I'll never be worthy of this, this sunlight and this, the gifts, just the yes. allowing. So it is a, is a person who is sat, who is a person who is not expressing themselves. They're not allowing. Sorry. Yeah. Does that make sense? The person who is not expressing themselves, that's why they're depressed or sad. Is it because they are not allowing or they're not receiving allowing? They're not, they, they remember allowing is something one can only begin to grasp allowing when a certain amount of awakening has already taken place or a certain amount of recognition. I mean, I've worked with people who had chronic depression, right? And something drew them to me, right? 
So there was a sign there. So other people have gotten other kinds of things. So you can see that underneath that is something that wants to live, wants to expand, wants to grow. It isn't dead, right? It's just been so constrained that what can it do, right? <laughs> it, it, it doesn't know what to do any, anymore. And so um, I think I forgot what the question was. <laughs> oh, no, and actually this is the perfect whale story time, but the, yet yeah, that question is like whale the, the whale story, but about the allowing, because I think that um, if, if I was in a state of, if I could talk to myself in a state of depression right now and say, Lisa, you just need to allow, or Lisa, you like. That's not going to work. Um, yeah, no. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, just allow it, man. Let it go. I mean, it becomes pejorative. What you do is put your attention, get your attention and the actual physical sensation of it. Go into the body. The problem is, is all of our ideas and thoughts and concepts of depression and all the ideas we have about how to deal with it. That's all in the mind. The depression is not in the mind. It is influencing the mind, but it's not there. It's in the body. It's and it's even prior to the body. I, I won't go into that right now. But so put the attention in the body and get to it as an actual sensation. And the more you do that, the less mind there'll be, the less thinking about it, and the more of a direct experience. I do the same thing with people who have various kinds of physical illnesses. They come, they say, I've got this disease and it's a diagnosis and it's got this name. Now, the moment you name it, you're in the mind. You're interpreting every experience you have, every sensation you're having from the point of view of the mind now. And so what we do is we just go into, okay, what, what are you actually feeling, right? And you find that there's a whole range of feelings and symptoms that are not covered by that, right? You know, in, in, in medicine and the like, they, they have to do that. They take it, they, they summarize, they generalize. Okay, it's, it's this, right? But in, in any individual's experience, it's not, it's not, I have this, 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 and this. And I have this and some of this, and, but I have this other thing too. It's far more complex. It's far more intricate. So if you get out of the naming of it, right, you get out of the conceptualizing of it and just be with the, the sensations themselves, you, the, the, the door begins to open to what it actually means. Because if I'm in my mind, I'm imposing on it, right? So I'm not listening to it. I'm not listening to my body. I'm not listening to the, the, the universe. I'm not listening to the nat natural intelligence of the functioning of life, which this is. I've cut myself off from that because I'm, I'm in my mind telling life what to do. What a stupid thing to do. <laughs> it's like yelling at the river for heading downstream. <laughs> With that, okay, so this is an interesting question then because ah, oh, so many, I've heard this from so many people sometimes. I'm wondering if I probably have even said it myself. When we do name it, we say from our mind, I just feel better knowing what it is. Now I can deal with it. Like that is so, if if any of you are familiar with that, please put a comment <laughs> in about that. Because I, I even remember back in the day when I was young, I broke a rib and it really, really hurt. And I was like, it really, really hurts. And it hurts. And then they called me back and said, oh yeah, you broke your ribs. And then I suddenly felt better. And then I remember my friend at the time going like, what, 
you feel better, but now it hurts a little bit more. What, what's going on? And I didn't even know what to think or do because my mind was now involved. And I was yes. like, how should I feel? It's broken. Was I, you know, why? Because I mean? a lot of the, what you're feeling, uh, even reflected in the pain is the fear of the unknown. Oh. And the moment the mind thinks it knows what it is, that goes away. And now you're left with just what's actually there. <laughs> and it's not bad at all. Wow. <laughs> okay, that now we have to talk about the unknown because that was huge. Right? Your mind is settled about something now. Like, whew, all these things I feared. You, or You have to remember the mind... Um, I've done any of my courses on on this? I have, especially like about the chakras and inner reconciliation. I, I devote an enormous amount of time to the third chakra, which is the storyteller mind. Right, this thing that makes up stories and believes them without question. It happens. It happens instantaneously. So whenever there's something that's unknown. The, the, your mind will make up a story to fill that void and then believe that story is true. Okay. <laughs> Every single time. It can't help it. It is the nature of the mind. The ego is one of those stories. It's kind of the most fundamental of those stories, but it does it about everything. I wish I could go into some of the details about it. It's just fascinating that uh, what it does, and it's and it's real. It, this is what it does, but none of its stories are actually true. But there's a certain sense. Ah, okay, I know what it is because there's this part of us that its whole job is to make sense of our experience. It's to take what in fact is an incredibly chaotic universe and turn it into something manageable, so it feels safe. And so that quest for feeling safe will always come up with a story and it doesn't care whether it's true or not. Oh, wow. Okay. Matter of fact, it doesn't know what is what truth is. It can't. Right. Because the truth, oh, hold on. I was going to say the truth might not be safe for you in your environment at that time. Is that well, possible? Because the truth has nothing to do with the mind. All right. Okay. Yes, and, and, and the mind, it is not the mind that grasps the truth, it's the heart. That just feels good. <laughs> the, <laughs> about the feeling safe then, because that, okay, so now, yeah, we're going through all the layers here, aren't we? I love this. Um, <laughs> it's the feeling safe. So if the the mind has had to create a story, I've got, I, I maybe I've named it, now I do this, now this unknown is in my mind known and this I don't have to fear anymore, so I feel a little safer. And even that feeling safe might keep someone in depression, in sadness, in lack of expression, in whatever story. And then what do we do with that story? My gosh, like, because that's going to that's gonna stay there. What this, the, It's going to hang on to it. Well, self-inquiry is the only answer to the story. And that doesn't happen until you've gone gone beyond the first three chakras. You've fallen into the fourth, uh, where that awakening actually begins to take place. 
Um, and even the word depression is a diagnosis of something that's far more complex than the diagnosis. But even somebody who says, now I have depression, there's a certain relief in that. Right. E even for them, it's like, okay, well, now I can do something about it, right? Or I can explain it. I can, you know, I don't, you maybe not even have to apologize for my behavior because I have, I have, I have a chronic, I have a clinical depression, right? Um, so I, I'm not denying, I'm not dismissing, you know, I'm not want to be flippant about, about, about people like that, but this is the way it functions. There's a relief in simply knowing, right? Right. Be because, because at that point, the mind is satisfied and it's quiet. Yeah. So it's it's not intruding it at, at, at that moment. So you're feeling more of what's really there. <laughs> the vast majority, all of the suffering we have comes from the mind. There is no suffering in life. It all comes from the mind and its resistance and its resistance to life. So go back to your question, make sure I answered it. <laughs> oh, you do it actually. Yes, yeah, it's about that. That and you, the perfect word for me, the answer came was, is the, there's a relief. And when we, when I first started, we're thinking of the word depression, we're depressing on something. And now to me, there's a relief, a release of that being pressed. And something is, is now some kind of breakthrough is there just a little bit, just a little bit of flow, just a little bit of allowing for whatever reason, like what you said, now I can do something about it. Now I don't have to explain, or now I can better explain um, to somebody what I'm go going through in that way. With self-inquiry, oh, wow, against a story, this is gonna be tricky. So I, I now suddenly go, wow, yes, here's a story that I'm telling, that I believe, that I'm living with. And I would like to ask if it's true or do I not quite go there? Do I say, why do I have the story? Like if I'm beginning that self-inquiry um, experience, what am I asking? What well, I the very fact that it's recognized that it's a, that it, it's a story, that it, it may not be true, you've already started the inquiry. Okay. Right? Because prior to that, you just accept it as true. It's not a story. The moment you can label it as a story, you've already taken a big step out of it, right? There's the you know the 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 intelligent doubt has been has been planted now. Say, oh, what if this isn't true? Right. Then comes the then comes the more interesting part of it, which which is how do I determine what's true? <laughs> And if you take that question seriously, for most of go, okay, I'm going to consult psychology or I'm going to consult, you know, my astrologer. I'm going to, you know, there's all sorts of different ways for us to try to figure out what's actually true. But if you take that really to heart in the depth of that, where that question can go, you are thoroughly and completely on the spiritual path. Because the only thing that can reveal truth to you is the truth. Everything else will be a story. It will be a conceptualization. It will be an explanation. It will be relative. The only place you're going to find truth is truth. The only way you're going to know whether something is true or not is to know what the truth is. <laughs> I mean, it's so obvious. <laughs> How do you know whether something is true? From, from what position are you, are you looking at it? 
this is it's obvious and then right now the moment I'm like oh my gosh it's so it's still there's the mind my mind is kicking in with so many little of course it is because the mind is saying well what is truth the mind wants our, our normal way of, of thinking and dealing with the world is that we want the truth to be a concept we can grasp. Mm -hmm. The mind wants to control truth, something I can use, apply, make it mine. It's something other than myself. Yeah. It's a concept. And, and there's no such thing as a true concept. It is always relative. It is always a reduction. And now I'm I'm feeling I'm experiencing where that the allowing is because if I were to literally if I could imagine a, me in a world or maybe I did experience it where it's all truth I I dropped all stories there's it just they dissolved all I am left with is actually a sense of allowing and it's not that nothing matters but everything just is because it is and then yes we will all get to allowing one way or the other. <laughs> we'll either go voluntarily or we will be dragged <laughs> kicking and screaming because what 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 at one point i mean that's the heart and soul of allowing because even something as deep and as and as painful as as depression what happens if i just say fuck it yeah right and i drop all my resistance to it 99% of the suffering is going to disappear like that because that's where it all is. The, the, the practice and the difficulty is getting to the point where you can really do that because you'll notice oh, I do that. They'll be there for a moment and then it'll jump back in and want to grab control again. It's a very uncomfortable feeling because it bumps up against our vulnerability. It bumps up against all our expectations, all the things we're supposed to, life was supposed to give to us, all the st wonderful things that were supposed to happen for me. We bump right up against that stuff. And I'm just I'm gonna allow this moment to be as it is. No, you're not. <laughs> you can just feel it grabbing back hold of you because, uh, because this is the nature of the, this is the nature of the system to resist. It's the, it's the most primitive defense mechanism. And we have come to the point where the defense mechanism and the egoic mind have become so intertwined that we can't tell the difference between them, which means we are afraid when there's nothing to be afraid of. Our imagination uh, puts us into terror. You, you nailed it for me when you said uh, vulnerable because if we were thinking about that bumping up against like no i'm just gonna let it go and then you you it's exactly what you did you had that you did expressed it perfectly when you went oh no <laughs> like because you're it's vulnerable <laughs> you let it go, like because the mind kicks in and says but wait i might not I, i'm not gonna be safe and you're like yes you will know you and it's all this this made up and yes. wow this is so powerful i'm i there's so uh, many things ultimately uh, ultimately it's going to ask us to completely surrender even our lives They'll even let go of the desire to live. Yes. Yeah. He who loses his life for my sake shall find it. Mm. The fear of death is it's the it's 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 the last one. 
the fear of oblivion, the fear of, and the ego hooks up to that and turns the fear of death, of actual oblivion, to the fear of embarrassment, shame, all of those things, which have really are, are irrelevant when it comes to that. Yeah. But that's how the that's how the real defense mechanism and the ego have become so intertwined. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. This is, I, I see some of the comments coming up here, so I'm going to go there. But um, anybody right now, this is an opportunity. If you have a question, you want some clarification or you want to express something that you're feeling or going through and you'd like just to, for us to talk about it a little bit, please just share with us. We so appreciate that. And um, like, there's so many things going up. My, I'm writing notes and I'm thinking and, and going through this all. But really, do you want, um, there's so many things that, yes, you're right, though. Like even right now, my mind is feeling more comfortable because I feel like I have an, a concept of an understanding and I know that's my mind, but there is mm -hmm. a sense, there's a feeling, which I did want to touch on before we went to the commercial break or the, you know, the last time break here. <laughs> I know you're still here. Um, is <laughs> I'm still the, here. <laughs> the, that feeling, which all I can ex express like in, in words is that if you, you know, hold a guitar string down and then you hear a note and then you let it go, you know, you hear another note. And I, I feel like I'm hearing other notes. You know, I feel like there's this expression mm -hmm. of a different vibration. And I hope that other people here, uh, when you when you watch this and, and be with us to do this, but also I understand that I, I can feel it too, like between happiness and resistance and sadness and joy. It's like, there's this like crazy party going on inside. And we do need help with that sometimes. And I want to invite you to reach out if you're feeling a connection and you think, wow, I like how GP is doing this. I would like him to be my master spiritual teacher. <laughs> and not only, you know, he works with one-on-one, -on -one, um, there's groups and we have a program coming up. I am just going to, it It was in the light letter this week. We did release it, um, GP. It's um, tapping into the fearless you. And I love that you wrote this line. It's, it's experience a deep sense of inner safety that leads to courage and action. And if you're experiencing sadness or depression or any of those things of not being able to express yourself, that's what I really connected with on this one that leads to courage in action. You don't just want to take that crazy action I told you about that I did with people and salt cats, but <laughs> don't do that. <laughs> but courage in action. And I have a funny feeling that has to do a lot with allowing. And so this is a Meridian prepping course, really strongly focused on that. Um, GP is going to be leading this through. And it's an exceptional price right now of only $27. So $27 US dollars. Um, there is the, the link right now. It's it's packed with so much more. It's unbelievable, but we're, it's this one actually, and I'm going to, I'm going to do the big invite. Now I'm really inviting this $27 program actually also in, we're in giving away. We're including a free month of weekly tapping group tapping sessions called the tapest monk. And that alone is amazing. So we get to work all together and you can raise your hand and work with GP one-on-one uh, -on -one in that group. So it's just a lot of stuff there. So just go check that out, please, everybody. GPWalsh.com slash fearless. So that is absolutely, I think, would help anybody or experiencing some kind of depression, sad, not being able to express themselves because does the story hold us back? Does the story capture us? Or is it just the nervous system? The, whole, the, story, the story defines the entire range of your life. Nothing, nothing happens outside the story. The story has to change or, 
or be dissolved because you will you live your life in the story and you won't nothing will you, you nothing will be allowed that's outside of that story as long as that story is regarded as the truth it's <laughs> i mean the, the ego the egoic mind the sense of self is a story so if i believe i'm this then i believe i'm not that which means uh, this belief that this is what I am, this is how I'm going to dress, think, act, these are the relationships I'm going to have, the kind of work I'm going to seek, it's all based on who I think I am. And that who I think I am is a fabrication of the mind. It is not who you are. And that's the great insight of spirituality. And self-inquiry is simply, okay, I get that. Then who am I? That's self-inquiry in a nutshell. I am not this story, then who am I? And some people will get make a better story, exchange one story for another, right? And at some point realize, my God, it's just another story. Who am I? Really? Who am I without a story? <laughs> now you're seriously in, into self-inquiry. You're trying to go beyond the story to the truth of you, not a story about you. That is huge. And that is so helpful for so many. I can tell you guys that is... give if when that happened for me, cause it was an experience of, I don't, there's no embodiment of that. That's just a thing that um, I used to, ha if I change, not even my career, but just changing what I'm doing in my career, people would get all very uncomfortable because their mind no longer had a concept of what Lisa Berry does. And it was very, they, they were so, it bothered them so much. I don't care what I'm doing, something different every day. That's fine with me. But, you know, other people, they lose that stability of what their mind can. And and that is something that that's powerless and, and fear. And I was going to go back to Bernadette, I think mentioned about uh, power, being powerless, feeling powerless can be a dangerous spot. And if we stick to, I'm going to have GP comment on that, but if we refuse to look at the story, change the story, dissolve the story, do anything in the story, are we powerless? Is that a powerless spot? Of course. Yeah, of course, because the story is powerless. The story is a fabrication made up to try to explain something it didn't know. And so now you are dealing with, with the reality of things from a completely fraudulent view of things. How in the world is that going to work? Right. It can't, right? Because you're trying to deal with one thing and the thing you're dealing with is something completely different. And we experience that all the time. Why isn't this working? <laughs> right? Because our assumptions about what it is are, are, are off. They're part, they're part of the story. Remember, the story determines how you view yourself and that determines how you view everybody else. Everything in the universe is defined by this story. It is comprehensive. <laughs> That's the whole point of it, right? Now, feeling now powerlessness, feeling powerlessness is a, it can be a dangerous spot. That it's true. It is a dangerous spot. Being powerless is the is the thing that the nervous system, the whole body, fears the most. Right? Now, if I just say that can feeling powerless can be a dangerous spot there'll be a tendency for us to try to not feel powerless, right? The only way to not feel powerless is to confront the fact that you really are. Beautiful. It's not a joke. You are powerless. Look around. 
how much power do we have to affect the, the events in the world? Political power, the stuff going on in the capitals of all of our countries right now. How much power do you and I have? Zero. They're going to do stuff that's going to affect us. If you go to if you go to work and and you know the CEO decides I'm going to lay these off because I need this I want my stock price to increase. There's nothing you can do about it. You're powerless, and you get angry. Right? If we're willing to be present with the fact that we have created a world in which we are powerless, and even in the natural world, our powers are extremely limited. You know, put me up against a lion, I lose. Anaconda, I lose. <laughs> right? It's just the, the body, the whole body structure is in fact vulnerable. It is going to die. And, that, and, and children are acutely aware of that, right? They know they're vulnerable and powerless. It's felt in the entire system, hence the dependency on the parents, hence the fact that they will become whatever their parents want them to be, even if it has nothing to do with who they really are. Because it's absolutely essential that the survival happen. The only way to the only way to go beyond that is to discover your true nature is consciousness, which is immortal, inviolate, and cannot be touched. And that is not at all powerless. It is it is it is it is rock steady for eternity. It cannot be touched. So it's the only way to escape from that feeling of powerlessness because the body is powerless. <laughs> Our beliefs are powerless. The place we have is powerless. Even the people who occupy those places that appear to have the most power, they all collapse too. Every empire has fallen. The U.S. empire is, is already on its last legs. It's obvious to anybody except, except those who want to continue to believe it. It's, it's only a matter of time. Everything falls apart. Find that which doesn't. Like That's that. the spiritual path. Find that which is not powerless, which is not vulnerable, which is not subject to birth and death. I see your other question. How do you change the nervous system to not be angry when you feel powerless? You can't. Anger is how the nervous system responds to powerlessness. It is the natural way, right? You're in a position where you're in danger and there's nothing you can do about it. What is the mechanisms by which, by, by which the nervous system deals with danger? Fight or flight. Put up your dukes or run away. The, that feeling of, of, of the body getting ready to run away is what we call fear. It's a physiological state that we feel the body is just all the focuses in the muscles to get away. If we can't get away, you know, it, it goes to the next one, which is the, the need to fight and defend myself. And that feeling is what we call anger. It is, it is not primarily a psychological condition. It is triggered by psychological uh, uh, factors. But the actual anger itself is the response to a perceived danger. And the only way you can go beyond that perceived danger is to get to the point where you see whether it really is dangerous or not. Again, back to the truth. <laughs> right? So the, the anger is there. You be present with the anger and acknowledge the powerlessness. Don't try to escape it. 
And you find, the mo in the most paradoxical way, the capacity to be present with the anger and acknowledge the powerlessness is the power. I feel powerful just thinking that. I felt powerless, and I loved it. <laughs> I <was> literally <laughs> that. Wow, Bernadette, thank you for asking that question. See, this is why these questions are so helpful. When you, when you put them out, say, yeah, can you explain this, or how does this happen? And I, you know what, now I, oh, wow, that feels like a course. Oh, well, you know what, I bet you that's actually in, sorry, I'm going to say this, because <laughs> it is tapping <laughs> into the fearless you, um, and it is all around fear. And so you explaining that right there, it really had this under, I could, I can be the observer of how I was reacting, how we might be in a situation right now doing something. And, and so the, I like this. So the self inquiry is going to help us. Uh, oh, that was my question that might wrapping up. But my question was, is it true is one of our questions, but the other question is, is it dangerous? Cause that would, is that a good question to ask or would we be able to answer is it that? really dangerous is it really dangerous right <laughs> yes is it really dangerous or is this imagination and uh, uh, until there's some spiritual maturity there we can't tell the difference the mind speculating as to what might go wrong will hold the same degree of authority and power over us as something actually going wrong yes Oh, yeah, that's a powerful one, too. My goodness. And, of course, we don't ever really know. That's why, that's why the future is such a prolific place. It's such a beautiful blank canvas for the mind to project all its fears. Because we don't know. You don't know what your next thought is going to be. <laughs> Let alone what's going to happen tomorrow or a month from now. And, and, and because of that huge blank canvas and the, and the mind's and, and the storyteller mind's insistence on not on, on avoiding the unknown, it will fill up that whole thing with everything that could possibly be happening. And it will and it will always be on the side of what do I need to defend against? Always. So if you let that run run the show, you will never feel safe. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> And just unwrapping that up, Bernadette says, so we end up manifesting our story? She's questioning. <laughs> yes, I, 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 I like to shy away from that world, word manifesting because it's gotten so, it's got so much overhead on it now since the law of attraction and all of that sort of, sort of thing. But just see it this way instead. The story that I'm living about myself, what I believe to be true is shaping how I perceive the world. Therefore, what I experience of the world is completely subject to that. I'm not manifesting the world. The world is what it is, reality is what it is, but I am filtering everything out except the stuff that fits my story. And so my experience will be that I've manifested this. No, you haven't. You have simply filtered out everything that isn't that. But the reality is the entire range of potential is, is out there all the time. Reality is a unified whole. What we experience of reality is based on our perception. Think of perception like kind of self-modulating light. The light shines off and I see an, uh, 
reflects off an object and I see the object. How do I see the object? Because part of the light is seen, part of it isn't. And without that happening, there is no form. At night, this, the rose is not red, <laughs> right? It's only red during during the day. So it, red isn't a, a, an attribute of the rose. It's an attribute of light. We see the rose because part of the light is seen. That's perception. Part of reality is seen. And we, re, we assume that that's all the reality because we don't see the rest, right? And so we say, I've manifested it. No, you haven't. You have simply filtered out everything that isn't that based on your story. How do you actually see what's there, the totality of reality? You have to look beyond the story and find out who you are. I love that. And what that's an invitation for self-inquiry, I think. So, <laughs> <laughs> if ever there was one. If ever yeah. there was one. <laughs> I just want to say thank you to everybody. There are some lovely people here today, and, and some of them new to me. But Amy... Gant. I was going to say Amy Grant. Yeah. <laughs> Amy, Amy Gant. Yes, and I've known Amy for a while. Yeah. Hello, Amy. And Mark and Shayla. I can't even say part of these names, Shala? but I love everybody Shala? here. Yes. <laughs> it was a fun thing to say. And Jerry's German is addicted to the channel. Good. Well, we love having you here. We love having everybody here. <laughs> and uh, Ava is here again. Roberto and everybody. Oh, wait. And I know that David and Elaine is here. Yes, I saw them. Thank you. Hello. Mark, I think I said. Thank you, everybody, for being here. So I am going to just close off with this one. We would love to have you be a part, not only of the Tapping into the Fearless You, but a part of that Tapist Monk. Down down the road, we'll we'll introduce you a little bit more to the Tapas Monk. You know, that might be something you want to just do without doing the Tapping to the Fearless You. But just know that you will be getting a month of the Tapas Monk, which is that practice, the immersion. We are immersing. You get to tap with everybody. Um, that's just complimentary when you when you do the fearless tapping to the fearless you for only $27. So as you know, those prices, we don't even normally have prices like that. So that is really good. And thank you, GP, for this enlightening and wow class on Ohm School Live here all about depression. So thank you. <laughs> thank you all. Yeah, thank you. Till next time. Bye. <laughs>